welcome to Fresh Bread, a podcast of Grace Bible Church Gainesville with Associate Pastor Keith and Pastor Brandon. Hi everyone, welcome to Fresh Bread, podcast number six, where we're bringing God's truth to a starving world. Today, Pastor Brandon, eschatology, we're going to start our series on looking at each view of eschatology. Why, I'm going to ask you this right off the bat, why is the study of eschatology, why is this so important for us? Well, I think it's critical. Number one, I mean, much of what the Bible has to say, it has to say about the future. And I think that you know, if it if the Bible is speaking a lot about the future, I think it makes sense for us to kind of understand or to understand the future and what the future holds. Uh, we clearly are not to be date setting and and things of that nature, but at the same time, you know, that this information, these things have been provided to us for us to understand and to and to work at it and to be Bereans, if you will, you know, to try to understand to see if these things are so. So I think it's critical in that sense, you know, first off. Second, I think it's critical because because there's so many different people talking about it today. And I think there's, you know, with all the things that have happened, especially in the past four or five years with COVID, uh, the, the COVID situation and even some of the incursion of the government into our private lives and things like that that are going on. Um, you know, I think it's a I think people are asking the question and, and they want to know. I think another thing, especially one of the things that really, and we're going to talk about post-mill eschatology today, but I think one of the things that really has hit me is that I think we have to be realistic and say that those guys who hold to a post-mill theology are the ones that have the most appealing answers to what is going on in the world today. For example, how do we respond to the government when the government is telling the church not to meet? How do we respond to the government when the government is telling us that we have to wear masks everywhere? How do we respond to those things that are an incursion into our private life and, and into the church? And I think that, that the post-mill guys have done a better job, if you will, a better job of answering some of those questions. And I think that that their answers are appealing to many because they take a, for lack of a better way to say it, they take a dominion approach that we are the ones that are winning the battle. I, there's a, that, that resonates. It resonates even in my, to me, I mean, in terms of, I, I don't hold a post-mill uh, eschatology, but at the same time, it does, es- it does resonate to me that we win the war. And I believe that wholeheartedly. I just would say that it's different than, than what they are saying it is and how they're, how they're understanding Scripture to be uh, speaking of the last things. Yeah. I mean, you, you said it. I'm, I'm a pre-meal myself as well. Uh, how is it that we can, we can all read the Bible but yet have these different views on eschatology how does that work the bible's complicated now let me back up and say the bible's simple in, in many ways i mean in terms of what we need to understand it's easy to understand i'm not i'm not saying that 
I mean, salvation is by grace through faith alone. You read the scripture, you see that. When you talk, when you're talking about the doctrine of the beginning, when you're talking about the doctrine of the end or last things, then you become it becomes more complicated in understanding what's going on. Especially, you know, we live in the world, we live in the present world, we're looking at the present world, and we're and we're interpreting as much as it's as much as we need to try to uncouple ourselves from what we see in terms of that telling us how to interpret, it's very difficult to do that. Meaning that, as an example, we've been as a church going through Genesis for the for the last really couple of years. And it's very difficult to understand Genesis because we see what science says about evolution. And so I have to I have to really uncouple myself from what I quote unquote, if you will, see and understand what the world is saying in our present world. And I have to uncouple myself and say, okay, but what does the Bible say? How does the Bible read? And what does so ultimately said another way, what does God say about these things? And so I need to look at it from that lens and interpret my world, the world that I live in, based on what the Bible says. And it's really no different in eschatology. It's we all have we're all guilty, whether we're post-mill or whether we're pre-mill or whether we're on mill, we're all guilty of looking at our present world and projecting that into scripture. But we need to be careful doing that and making sure that we understand what scripture says before we before we start making interpretations based on what we see in the world. Post mill, just to name a few names that hold this view, we have go back to way back to Jonathan Edwards and recently uh, R.C. Sproul and, and James White. These are uh, just a few men that hold this view of post mill. Pastor Brandon, let's start with post mill. Can you explain this view for us? I think so. I think the idea of post mill is that or post-millennial theology. Well, let me just start with, you know, making sure that we understand that, you know, post-mill, on-mill, pre-mill, we talked about this in the in the last podcast, but make sure that we all understand it's all based on a view of the millennial kingdom as described in Revelation 20, whereas on-mill would, would have, would take the idea of there not being a literal kingdom, a thousand-year reign of Christ on earth, post-mill would be very, very similar. As a matter of fact, I heard Jeff Durbin, who, who is a proponent of, along with James White, is a proponent of post-mill theology. I heard him say that if you listen to an on-mill guy and a post-mill guy for two minutes, you probably wouldn't know the difference between the two. So we, we want to make sure that we understand that, that, again, it's how they're viewing the kingdom, whereas the pre-mill uh, view would be that we're prior to the thousand year reign of Christ and that there would be a thousand year reign of Christ. That's a literal kingdom of the Lord where he reigns from Israel or from Jerusalem, very specifically on the throne of David. So specific to post mill, the idea is, is that we are the, that kingdom, the kingdom that, that the Christ's kingdom has already been established, and Christ is sitting on the Davidic throne even today, where it says that he is at the right hand of the Father. They would 
argue that he is reigning today from heaven, but that that would be the, the, the Davidic throne. So the idea then is, is that he's reigning now and that we are in a progressive kingdom that is progressively getting better in the sense that the nations are becoming more Christianized and that the ultimate goal would be for most of the nations or for the nations and most of the people to be Christian. And so that the church is participating in the reign of Christ. We're participating such that such that this kingdom is being is progressively becoming the world is progressively becoming more Christian and the he is reigning from heaven. And but eventually he will come back and reign here on earth in, a, in, in the eschaton, if you will. So post mill, they do they see Satan as being bound then, like an on mill would? Yes, they would. They would understand Satan to be bound during this age. Again, if you think about the way they look at the the thousand year reign, the way they understand it, they would understand post those who hold a post mill theology or eschatology would see that Christ is bound. That this would be, if you want to think about it this way. Whereas Premill would see Christ is reigning from Jerusalem on earth on the Davidic throne. If the postmills believe that he's reigning currently reigning now. And so that would be mean that Satan is bound or at least restrained and not allowed to do what he is. You know, he doesn't he's not allowed to do what he's done in the past. He's, he's been restrained from his power to deceive and influence as he has in the past. So post means after, because it's post. So after the thousand-year reign, that's when they believe Christ comes back. Yeah, it, it, I think that's what I was trying to say earlier, that yeah, that this is how we name these theologies. But in reality, in reality, it, it's kind of a misnomer, if you will. And some, especially with post mills, they would, they would, they, they get a little bit weird about it in terms of how they how they respond to it, which I understand because their their theology is based on much more than just Revelation 20. I think we have to we have to recognize that, that, you know, and recognize, you know, even um, how they view the world and, and how they view the Christian life. I think that's something that we have to recognize as being, uh, you know, what actually is a differentiator, if you will, for, from other understanding of eschatology. They see it more spiritual reign rather than like what we do pre-mill. We see it more as a physical reign, a thousand year. We see the thousand year kingdom as a, we see this age or this time, if you will, the time now, the church age, we see the church age as being Christ's reigning spiritually. They would see him as reigning, truly reigning, and they don't, they would see him as reigning from heaven. So they would make, so we would say the pre premillennials would say Christ will rule physically from Jerusalem. The person who would be a post mill, who would take that post mill point of view, is that he's reigning currently. That he's currently reigning, which I wouldn't argue with. I would say that they're right. That Christ is currently reigning. Uh, what'd you say? Not yet, but already, but not yet. Already, but not yet. That's yeah, I mean, we would take an already, but not yet point of view, yeah. and and they would to a certain degree, but not to the level that. The well, and that's one of the strengths of post mill, right? Is is that it, it it it's very optimistic, like you said. It's 
it's uh, the, it's going to transform all these nations uh, for Christ. Yeah, I think you know if I'm, I can tell you this: if I'm a young Christian, and I'm, and somebody presents the pre-mill point of view versus the post-mill point of view, and I'm not looking at it in terms of you know, exegetically, I'm just looking at it in terms of what sounds better. I look, the post mill guys, we win. I mean, and, and there's, you know, in, in their minds and what they're saying, we're, we have a purpose. I mean, we're, there is a, you know, we're winning the battle. We're winning the war. And, you know, we're part of that. And not that I dispute that at any level. I, I don't, I, I think it's how, but I think it's, it's how you package it and how you sell it, if you will. And I think that the post mill guys have done a really great job of selling it in terms of that, you know, that, that we're that we're conquerors. I mean, Romans eight one, we're more than conquerors. I mean, we're we're we have influence in you know in politics. We have in you know in government. We have influence you know with our families. We you know that that we'll have grandchildren and great grandchildren and great great and great great grandchildren and you know, we have the opportunity to influence them in the future. And, you know, in the future, they would look back on us as being the, the Jonathan Edwards of our age, if you will. And, and you know, there's that opportunity to, to really make a, make a major difference in our lives. And I, I get that. I mean, you know, in terms of the arts, in terms of music, in terms of, of uh, you know, Christianity being spread throughout the world, I, I'm not thinking in terms of, defeat and and i think that's the the knock on premillennial eschatology is that we're we're all about suffering and we're all about being defeated and and you know that we're not winning this battle that ultimately that we're gonna christ has to swoop in and save us all and and you know that's not appealing to to many especially especially young men that's what i'm noticing it's yeah your life has it feels like your has more meaning because you're you're hopefully passing the torch on as it as it Absolutely. gets brighter and brighter and brighter. Absolutely. And and here's what I think as as pre-mills, what we have to be careful with is that you know we we do kind of we do come across at times as you know we're the defeated ones and you know it's all about suffering and you know there's nothing there's no future and and you know Christ is coming soon and you know, that I don't even know if my kids are going to have a full life. And, and I remember I was laughing, uh, you know, with you before we started recording. When I was a, when I was a young man, and I, I'm almost embarrassed to tell this, but when I was a young man, my dad was pre-millennial. And, and, you know, he would talk about Christ is coming soon. And, you know, and I'm a, I'm a teenager and I'm like, but I want a truck. I mean, so you're basically telling me Christ is going to come and I'm never going to have a truck. And, you know that sounds that sounds so shallow now as I think back on it. But that's but if you think about a young man's the you know the way we look at the world, we we don't want to think about our lives being shortened. We don't want to think about you know we want to be we want to be Superman. And it so it appeals it appeal this type of theology appeals to that. It appeals to, I don't want to say appeals to the flesh, but I think I do need to say it appeals to the flesh. I mean, there is a there is something fleshly about it in the sense of it's appealing to strength. And what I see in the New Testament with Christ and the apostles, especially, I see weakness. I see strength through weakness. I I definitely see the strength there, but I I don't see that as being the strength being the you know that that we're dealing from a position of strength that ultimately that we're dealing from a position of weakness and that's what makes Christ's kingdom so profound is that ultimately it's going to be the meek who inherit the earth 
you know, and so the meek, the ones who are truly meek, the humble who are, who are going to do so. Yeah, that's a good point. And you have a truck, so. And I do have a truck. The Lord blessed you. I've had actually several trucks. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's a strength. And I think one of the weaknesses uh, as, as we look at uh, Post Mill is they don't interpret prophecy, I think, in a, in a literal way. I don't want to come across and say that for for sure, but I think there's a lot of, it's a lot well, of worry. Well, I, I will say. Or is that, a, is that not true? Well, I will say that one of the things that they, that they are, I, I think that's probably a little bit of a knock that we should be careful with, but, but I will say that, you know, in, in listening to these guys, you know, doing a, a lot of work and studying and, and trying to understand more, you know, in a better way. So, cause I want to, I want to be fair. I don't want to present them in, you know, the straw man and just basically say, well, they don't, they don't know what they're talking about and, and, you know, that they've got this all wrong. And I want to be careful with that. I, I, I see, I do see that, you know, some of their arguments and why the, why they make the arguments that they do, they point to revelation 20 and they say in Revelation 20, they say that that is a that that is a very difficult passage to understand, and therefore we don't want to have a theology that's based on that passage. They would say that when something is difficult to understand, that we need to interpret that passage with those that are clearer, instead of going straight to Revelation 20 and saying, "This is what we see here." They would say, no, we need to look at other passages to better understand, you know, the, what God is doing with his kingdom. And and therefore, I, therefore, what what they're saying is, is be careful with Revelation 20. Be careful because it's, it's located in Revelation. Revelation is difficult to understand. It's full of, you know, it's full of these crazy things and, you know, beasts and, you know, all kinds of stuff going on in, in Revelation, you know, Revelation itself. And now you're going to have this chapter in Revelation 20 where you're going to, you're going to interpret your entire eschatology based on that chapter. And it's unclear, therefore we don't need to do it. So they would point to other texts as being more important texts. And one of those texts being Psalm 110. In, in Psalm 110, you know, that is oft quoted in the New Testament, often quoted in the New Testament, uh, where it says, Yahweh says to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I put your enemies as a footstool for your feet. Yahweh would stretch forth your strong scepter from Zion, saying, have dominion in the midst of your enemies. And so their argument is that that is occurring today. Their argument is is that that Christ is sitting at the right hand of Yahweh, that He is reigning from the right hand of Yahweh. Therefore, therefore, what what He's doing now is that He's you know He's waiting until the enemies are being are being made a footstool, and so they would say that that is the that is the reign of Christ, that that millennial reign of Christ, if you will where that is occurring in this age and it's occurring through through the church. So that's a good question then how do how do post how do post mill view the church what is the purpose of the church in the post post mill view? Yeah, so Matthew 28:19 and 20 which which very familiar passage to most of us. The so 
they would point to Matthew 28, 19 to 20, and which says, Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and, and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to keep all that I commanded you. And behold, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Now, what's interesting is, is that they would say, we need to be careful with this passage because I just started in verse 19, go therefore, but in reality, it's it's in context where it says in verse 18, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. And so they're saying then that that Christ has all authority, that he's been given all authority on earth. Therefore, his reign, Psalm 110, that he's reigning at the right hand of the Father. He's ascended to be at the right hand of the Father. He's been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, he's reigning and that our job, our job as the church is to go make disciples of, make his disciples so that we march forth, that we now are Christianizing the world. We're making disciples of the nations. I mean, so they, they're seeing it in, in the sense of really a, a kind of a dominion theology, if you will, that we're going and conquering the nations with the gospel. And so ultimately, their point is, is that that authority has been given in heaven and on earth, and that this is, a, this is an, an authority that he is wielding through the church, and that because of that authority, now we have the authority to actually go make disciples of the nations, um, and, that, that, and he is reigning from heaven, uh, Psalm 110, and, and he's reigning until his enemies are being made a footstool of the nations, meaning that people are from those nations that we're making those disciples. That's been my understanding of that passage, but the post-mill guys would see it more as, now I'm making disciples of the nations, that there, there's a dominion here that's going on uh, based on the authority passage in, in verse 18, based on the fact that he's been given the authority in heaven and on earth. That That's, that's an important aspect there because again we would say that Christ in the millennial kingdom will reign on earth and that he'll have that authority on earth from the davidic king from the davidic throne but that but that he is now reigning from heaven and so we would say that this kingdom today that he has today is a spiritual kingdom that is growing like a mustard seed if you will and is growing and, and is growing in influence, but it's growing in influence spiritually. And he's making disciples, and eventually those disciples, he'll come and he'll set up his, uh, his kingdom here. But you can see the difference. You can see the difference in understanding. So that's part of the church's, the reason the church is there is to do that, is to Christianize the world. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's what they would say is that, obviously through the gospel, I mean, we would both agree that, that it's the gospel, that, yeah. that we're, that our job as as Christians would be to go preach the gospels to the na- gospel to the nations, but we have to understand that they would say that 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 we are actually Christianizing the nations. We are actually, you know, there's a there's an idea of of theonomy, if you will, or or even dominion here, conquering. Yeah. So it, in a way, it almost sounds like the bride of Christ is the one that readies everything for the groom. Well, and again, again, that's where, you know, we want to be careful because we're not, 
the experts, if yeah. you will, on post-mill theology. I'm not the expert on post-mill theology. I'm trying to understand it and trying to, trying to, what I want to do is present it in this is what they believe. Um, I don't want to have a, I don't want it to be a straw man. I want it to be right. the actual, this is what they believe and why they believe it. And therefore, then we can look at it scripturally and see if these things are so. Yeah. And I agree. I think I, I, I want to understand it. So how would post-mill, how would, how would they view the, uh, the nation of Israel now? In 1948, Israel became a nation again. I think they would see them as apostate. I don't think they would see them as being anything legitimate. Um, I, don't, I don't think that they would connect modern-day Israel with, with historical Israel. That. Yeah, I think, I think so. I think what we have to understand, too, you know, even even looking at the book of Revelation and how they understand Revelation, they see AD 70 as being basically the end of the Jewish system. Mm. They see that as being the end and beginning of a new age starting in AD 70. So as an example, they would see Revelation, the book of Revelation, having been written prior to AD 70. Therefore, the, they, it's being written from a prophetic point of view in that time frame, but it's written about what was going to happen in AD 70. And so, and they would also see, you know, Matthew 24 as being speaking mainly of AD 70 and what's happening with that. You know, the, what's problematic in terms of, again, I want to be careful because we're, we're talking about the strengths and, and really the position and, and that sort of thing. But but what's hard or what's problematic about the position of, of Revelation being written prior to AD 70 is that there's a lot of things, like as an example, the churches in Revelation 2 and 3, they have, they've gone a long way south, and it would only be a, you know, a few years from the time Paul you know, was there, like at Ephesus, versus now they've lost their first love. And that would have only had to, that would only been, you know, a couple of years or three or four years, whatever it is. It's a smaller amount of, much smaller amount of time for that to occur in order for John then to turn around and, you know, 68 or so write Revelation and say that they've lost their first love. And it's the same thing with, you know, the other churches there in Asia Minor. So, so that's a, that's problematic for that position. Uh, I personally believe that John wrote in, eight, in somewhere around in the, in the early 90s. Uh, that he wrote Revelation then, and therefore he wasn't writing it about the past, but he was writing it about the future. Wow. I mean, yeah, there's <laughs> there's so much more we can talk about, but we're coming to the end here. So what we're going to do, let's do this. Let's end it here, and then we'll come back and pick it up right where we left off. You've been listening to Fresh Bread, a podcast of Grace Bible Church Gainesville. For more information, go to gracegainesville.org. Thanks for listening. Thank you for listening. This has been Fresh Bread. I'm Pastor Keith. That's Pastor Brandon. We are a ministry of Grace Bible Church, and thanks for listening.